Ladies and gentlemen, drivers, gig workers, and everyone in between, welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Friday, March 1st, and this week, the revolution that wasn't, more threats from Uber and teens get a lift. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And of course, from Legal Rideshare, I'm joined by the co-founder and lead attorney, Bryant Greening. Bryant, happy Friday. Happy Friday and happy March. I can't believe we're already this far along. I know. I was thinking the same thing when I was uh, setting this up today. I was like, man, we're already in March. Apparently, I saw online that it's a, a technically 16% of the year is already done. That's it's kind of insane, honestly. It's nuts. It's wild. But I've had fun so far, and, and hopefully the rest of the year goes uh, just as well. Yeah, it's been fun, and there's never any shortage of, of rideshare or gig worker news, which is why we're going to jump right into it. And of course, the first topic, which we've talked to a, about a million times, but there's articles that keep coming out about it, the self-driving revolution that wasn't. You know, a lot of the, these articles are saying, well, what, what happened? And this one specifically is about, well, what happened? And um, so, you know, we were basically promised self-driving cars in 2016. So what happened? Well, The Week reported on this and they said, quote, there are a whole host of reasons that the dream of a self-driving revolution hasn't yet come to pass. Cost, the slow evolution of the technology and lack of public trust to name a few, but perhaps the biggest, however, is safety. Humans are generally good at dealing with the unexpected, but machines must be taught to behave in a certain way in certain situations. So how would a car with no driver respond to a rock in the road that may or may not be a paper bag? Um, so Bryant, you know, we talk about this a lot, but the safety, again, is the big issue. Yeah, they just, these self-driving cars have not delivered the way that, that we were told they would. Um, when Uber started, that was one of the first things that they talked about, you know, almost a decade ago, that we are planning on putting drivers on the road for a short period of time and then we're going to move to self-driving cars and it's going to revolutionize the way that people get from point A to point B and we're going to change the world. And that just never happened. And it's not just Uber. It's, you know, Google tried. Um, there's various other companies that have taken on this very massive, um, you know, juncture or, or uh, you know, opportunity and have just not been able to deliver. So the technology we've seen uh, is not there yet. Uh, that's obviously a safety concern that that we've talked about several times. Um, and I just I don't think that it's close. I a hundred years from now, I'm sure we'll, you know people will be moving around in in a very different way than what we see now. But ten years from now, I'm not so sure that self driving cars are going to be there. And, and that's just a, a very different narrative than what we were told years ago. Yeah, I'm on the fence about this. You know, the you know their original idea again because the the 2016 reference was to Elon Musk who said in 2016 they basically solved it, um, and we had seen from like Waymo and everything else. You know, the original idea was well, we're just going to strap a bunch of cameras and sensors, and that's going to be enough. But we've obviously understood that well. No, that's not enough, and that's why this article talks about you know making decisions. However, with the advent of things like ChatGPT. I think it is closer, but, you know, it's still not – it's definitely closer than it was in 2016 if they started deploying things like AI into these systems. But, you know, I agree with you. It's, it's these small things like 
having it understand, okay, avoid a paper bag and don't hit a person. Um, and now I know there's like they said that uh, self-driving cars are up to seven times less likely to get into crashes. But I don't know. That's I understand where they're going from with that, but it just that doesn't seem accurate. Well, I think it is the judgment call. So there's certain things that that technology can do that people cannot or, or won't, I should say. So like it's a self-driving car is not going to drive drunk. A self-driving car is not going to speed because they have to get, you know, to their to their meeting and they're running behind. Like they can be programmed to act safely. They can be programmed to not make many of the judgment call mistakes that people make, like, for instance, drinking and driving. But there are certain human factors that I just don't know that we're in a place technologically to, to solve or avoid. So used the example in the article, used the example of the paper bag. Well, I think a human is going to register that there's a paper bag on the road and probably drive over it. They're not going to make some massive turn into oncoming traffic or drive up onto a curb. But a self-driving car might not be able to perceive that in the same way and might take some drastic uh, maneuver to try to avoid it. So there's there's benefits, there's detriments on the human side, on the self-driving car side. And I have to believe once the technology is ready, the self-driving car will be safer and will make better um, judgments than than certain people make at certain times in vehicles, but we're we're just not there yet. Yeah, we're not, and and it, you know we'll, these articles are going to keep coming out. I think until there's some sort of shift or change. Um, so which is why we keep reporting on them. But yeah, as I like to say, time will tell on these things. Um, we're going to head to our second story: Uber and Lyft once again threatened to leave Minneapolis, uh, and this is from the Star Tribune, and they reported. Uh, quote, the Minneapolis City Council has resurrected plans to wage rate uh, wages and expand the rights of Uber and Lyft drivers. And the companies have resurrected their threats to leave town if those plans move forward. The battle, strikingly similar to the one that played out last year, sprang anew before a, mini, a Minneapolis City Council committee on Tuesday. The subject of public hearing was a proposed ordinance that would pay drivers a minimum of $1.40 per mile and 51 cents per minute. Um, so once again, Bryant, the battle is back. They've rebooted this uh, ordinance or trying to, and Uber and Lyft, of course, are saying we're out of here. Yeah, we've heard this before uh, on uh, Uber and Lyft's side. They always threaten to leave when any sort of proposed measure would benefit drivers and, and mean more uh, or better pay. Um, as we've said numerous times, I don't think they'll do it. We've seen various other... Uh, cities and states where minimum wage laws have passed and Uber and Lyft have stuck around. We also saw in Texas um, or in Austin uh, when there were certain changes that were made and Uber and Lyft actually did leave. Well, they came back because it's just too big of a market to pass up on. So I wouldn't take these threats all that seriously. If I was the city council, I'd be moving forward in whatever way they think is uh, fair for their workers and, and their citizens. Um, and I would also just like to to give a shout out to the drivers in Minneapolis because they didn't give up. This has been um, a recurring uh, issue and, and a fight that they've 
lost and then they thought they won and then they lost again and now they're back. So I think this persistence is really paying off because eventually something's going to stick and eventually there's going to be some measures that the city council is willing to put through. And it's a real credit to the what the drivers are doing and the fact that they're not giving up when they hit roadblocks. And um, hopefully this is the one. Yeah. And, and just like you said, that not giving up and sort of that resistance and pushing back. I mean, look, Uber and Lyft, uh, in, you know, instituted a five dollar minimum payment for drivers and all rides. So they didn't get what they wanted, but it was enough to shake them up for Uber and Lyft to say, OK, fine, we're going to give you something to try to calm this down. The other thing which is really key here is uh, Molda, which we've spoken to and, and they're a great organization. There was kind of this. Uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say a riff, but I think maybe a professional disagreement between some of the members and they kind of split. It was Molda and then Molda members. It was kind of two organizations from the same that kind of splintered. And so a lot of people thought, well, this is the end of kind of this organization, but it's not true. In the article, it states both those uh, organizations, Molda and Molda members are agreeing on this. So even with some disagreements with, with some of the basics, they're coming back together on this and saying, all right, it's round, I guess, three at this point, um, and we're going to work together on this. So that's a good thing for the drivers sticking together. It is. And I, I think that drivers around the country can learn from that. So there's always going to be groups that have differences of opinions about the, the correct path or what's the right number for the minimum wage or you know, what, what have you. Um, but the key is if you can find some middle ground and some ways to compromise with each other, your collective voice is going to get you much further than a splintered uh, faction of, of the driver community. So if you've got drivers fighting drivers, it, it's going to be tough to get anything done. That's what the companies want. So I, I think the, the drivers out in Minneapolis are showing um, just a, a roadmap for how you can get something to, to pass, how you can have success. And how you can work together to to um, you know do what's right for the community at all. Yeah, which is great. So hopefully there'll be some more updates on this, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it probably as early as next week. So we'll see. Uh, and our final story this week: Uber Teen accounts in California. Uh, Uber has rolled out Teen accounts in California with added safety features. So this is from NBC Bay Area. They've reported. Quote, when a teen requests an Uber, the parent or guardian will get a notification and will be able to track the car in real time. Only the highest rated, most experienced drivers are allowed to accept teen requests. And Uber does annual background checks on all drivers. Uh, it also says that teens will get a pin and that they'll have to provide to the driver in order to make sure they're getting in the right car. And um, just like the other rides, there's going to be audio recordings of all the rides encrypted for privacy. So, uh, Brian, they're, they're continuing to roll out this uh teen service have you heard anything so far on some of these other services in other cities or states i i mean i haven't heard anything other than that they're rolling them out it sounds like it seems to me based on anecdotal evidence or or stories that we we haven't had any issues to date um but i i have been skeptical of this uh teen service for some time i i think that it's dangerous um, I appreciate that Uber is, you know, adding safety features to try to make this as safe as it can be. Um, but I'm just, I'm not sold that children need to be taking rides from strangers. And, um, you know, granted, I love that, that there's extra safety features that they're putting in. I wish, that, frankly, that 
um, Uber would install or, you know, put these safety features in for every ride, whether it was a teenager or an adult. Um, but I, I guess we'll just see how this plays out because they're not uh, heeding to my warnings. They're, they're, you know, I, I've been saying this for a while and they're pushing forward with it. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it all works out. Yeah, I mean, we, I've seen some drivers respond to this article on our social media saying like there is no way that they're going to accept this even if they get the offer um, because there's just there's so many risks at, at abroad, not just, you know, false deactivations, even carjackings. There's just too much. And I think that's you know, it's smart for the drivers. It's just interesting. I haven't heard anything good or bad really about since they rolled this out in the other uh, cities and states. So maybe because it's maybe a lot of people aren't doing it yet. I don't know. I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, I, I think that there's going to be a hesitancy for parents to allow their kids to do it. Certainly, there's going to be some, uh, you know, some parents don't really have a, a choice. They've got to get their kids um, from point A to point B and they have, you know, transportation issues. And I get it. But I would be very hesitant to put my children in a car with a stranger. And if I was a driver, I'd be very hesitant to pick up somebody else's kid. Um, there's just, there's a lot that can go wrong on both sides. There's a, a real danger issue for the, the child. Um, and there's a real, um, one, there could be a danger issue for the drivers as well. And two, like you mentioned, there could be an employment issue. If there's some sort of disagreement, some sort of, you know, verbal altercation or, um, a, a perceived slight or whatever it may be, you got to believe that the company is going to side with the kid. And that's going to cost the driver the job. So I'm not saying that that you shouldn't listen to the kid. I'm just saying you're putting your, you're setting yourself up for a situation where if there is a disagreement, you're going to lose. Um, and that would scare me as a worker. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the first thing I thought. You nailed it. It's like no matter what the accusation, they're going to go with the team. And so you really have a losing battle on that. And I think that's why drivers are smart. They're just saying, look, I'm just not going to deal with this. You know, I got enough I got to deal with, which is smart. Um, right. Um, before we head off in the weekend, though, Brian, I will give you the final say, and then we'll we'll enjoy this uh, first day of March. Yeah, first day of March. It's almost springtime. The weather's changing, which means people are going to be out and about even more. Um, so if you find yourself uh, driving for Uber, Lyft, doing any sort of gig work, and uh, you find yourself in an accident or injured, please give us a call as soon as possible. Our consultations are always free, meaning it costs nothing to get some advice from me as to what you want to do, um, what you need to do after an accident, how you're going to get medical bills paid for, how you're going to get your wage loss recovered, um, any damage that you sustain as a result of uh, being injured on the job, we can help you out with. Um, so visit us at LegalRideShare.com. All of our contact information is there, um, and we are happy to provide assistance should you ever need it. Awesome. Thank you, Bryant. And as always, I like to say that is the end of This Week in Rideshare. See you next week.